discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, diehard ruckus fans, and brand new listeners. Welcome to the second special edition of The Daily Ruckus. And even though this is a special edition of The Daily Ruckus, it is technically the 150th episode I have made since joining forces with the Alternate Current Radio Network. And as such, I have a special treat for all of you. And this is something very different than what I normally do. Here's hoping you enjoy it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present The Daily Ruckus Special Edition Episode Number 2, Gil Bates. As some of you may already be aware, before I started doing the Daily Ruckus on the Alternate Current Radio Network, the only content I was producing was on a platform called Twitch. Now, Twitch is normally, but not exclusively, a platform where video game players would live stream their game while interacting with the viewers. And I do that too. In fact, I play a mobile game and live stream right from my phone to my Twitch channel. The game I play is called Hungry Shark. And as some of you also may be aware, I personally don't like sharks very much. In fact, I'm terrified by them in general. So playing the Hungry Shark game is kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing as far as a content creator is concerned, and also a therapeutic one, because I think when I get to take on the role of the shark, it helps me get over my fear of them. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do to get over my fear of the person we're going to be discussing today. But we'll get to that in just a second. Going back to the Twitch thing, back in April of 2020, you know, what was that, like 84 years ago? When we were just barely three months into the whole three weeks to slow the spread narrative, I started producing content that was not Hungry Shark. And I did a very cringy version of what most YouTube people do when it comes to reporting on the news and commenting. That is, I actually pulled up a number of articles and information on the screen and read it out loud while offering my two cents. All in all, it really technically was a visual version of what I do here on The Daily Ruckus. And the name of this little series that I was attempting to do, because I managed to make at least three of them, was called Mental Combat, with a K, playing off of the whole Mortal Combat and the video game thing. I don't know, it seemed clever at the time. I think the uh, first episode I did was actually about ventilators. I believe the second episode I did was about 5G. And the 
third episode that I did on April 17th, 2020 was about Bill Gates. Now, the reason I call him Gil Bates is because of the shark thing. But moving on, what you're about to hear is actually the audio that I took off of that video stream that I did. The original stream, Mental Combat number three, Bill Gates versus the World, was 90 minutes long. Now, lucky for you, I managed to condense that down to much closer to an hour. And that is what I'm going to share with you today. So, a couple things to point out. Number one, this was a visual experience. And as I was live streaming this, there were people coming in and out to the chat room there watching me, and they were leaving comments. So there were many times that I was directly speaking to them and responding to their comments. I took those parts out. As such, if there were any of those places where I had to take a huge chunk of the audio out because it just absolutely would not make sense to you as a listening audience, you will hear the following noise. That way you will know what just happened, okay? Oh, and another thing is, this is nowhere near as polished as my daily podcast is. This was a live, on-the-fly thing, so you are going to get to hear ruckus in the raw. I did my best to remove all of the coughing and the sniffling and the deep breaths before reading a long piece of the article, but you're going to notice some of that stuff, especially towards the end, because I did this for an hour and a half, just me alone talking. I didn't have a co-host, it was just me flying solo. So, I did a lot of talking. And one last thing, my audience on Twitch are not the same audience I have on the Daily ruckus. And they most certainly are not the same kind of audience who listen to most of the shows on alternate current radio on the regular. So, it is a little dumbed down. It can sound a little condescending sometimes. And you will probably notice that I was definitely channeling my inner Bill Cooper in many places. So please keep all of that in mind. Now, as for the subject matter, the reason I'm bringing this to you today, because the things I talk about make a heck of a lot more sense now in retrospect. As far as I'm concerned, and I was already convinced of this at the time, back in April of 2020, it is a bit of a, how shall we say it, smoking gun when it comes to Mr. Bill Gates, as far as his dealings are concerned with the pandemic. In particular, his obsession, or as RFK Jr. put it on his Instagram page back then, when he had one still, his fetish for vaccines. Again, please keep in mind that there were visuals associated with this, and I apologize that you can't see some of the things that the viewers at the time could see. And I will include a link to the original video in my show notes. Well, I think that's enough babbling from me. I'm going to go ahead and turn the mic over to me. Enjoy. Yes, Mr. Bill Gates himself has uh, been on the forefront in this battle, this war against an invisible enemy. Um, And at first, most people didn't really realize that because... uh, You know, he's kind of like a billionaire or something. So these really rich people like to do a lot of stuff hiding in the background. But um, if you're into business or you pay attention to technology and all that stuff and you subscribe to the journals and you read the news, it's absolutely no surprise to anybody uh, what this guy's been doing. It's just very interesting that recently he's been all over mainstream media and been like all in your face. And he's pushing and promoting the fact that basically he's going to come save the day. This was very interesting. You may have heard of this guy, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Maybe you have. If not, you might. 
might want to Google who that guy is or ask your mom and dad, kiddos. Uh, anyways, uh, he made quite a ruckus. Uh, I was quite impressed on Instagram recently with some posts about, um, well, Mr. Bill Gates. Quote, Bill Gates declares large public gatherings may not return at all until we have a vaccine that we've gotten out to basically the entire world. End quote. And uh, here's the thing about Bill Gates. He's got a lot of money and uh, money rules the world. Okay. And we're going to learn that right now together. So we're going to do what everybody in the world does. You're going to do it too with me. Okay. We're going to go to his Wikipedia page. Oh, by the way, as I'm doing this, please pay attention if in here it says anything about his medical background and whether or not he's a doctor. William Henry Gates III is an American business magnate, software developer, investor, and philanthropist. He is best known as the co-founder of Microsoft Corporation. During his career at Microsoft, Gates held the positions of chairman, chief executive officer, president, and chief software architect while also being the largest individual shareholder until May 2014. He is one of the best-known entrepreneurs and pioneers of the microcomputer revolution of the 1970s and the 80s. Uh, Born and raised in Seattle, Washington, Gates co-founded Microsoft with childhood friend Paul Allen in 1975 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so you all know, I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Going on, it went on to become the world's largest personal computer software company. Gates led the company as chairman and CEO until stepping down as CEO in January 2000, but he remained chairman and became chief software architect. During the late 1990s, Gates had been criticized for his business tactics, which had been considered anti competitive. This opinion had been upheld by numerous court rulings. In June 2006, Gates announced that he would be transitioning to a part-time role at Microsoft and going into full-time work at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the private charitable foundation that he and his wife, Melinda Gates, established in the year 2000. He gradually transferred his duties to Ray Ozzy and Craig Mundy. He stepped down as chairman of Microsoft in February 2014 and assumed a new post as technology advisor to support the newly appointed CEO Satya Nadella. Since 1987, he has been included in the Forbes list of the world's wealthiest documented individuals. From 1995 to 2017, he held the Forbes title of the richest person in the world all but four of those years. In October 2017, he was surpassed by Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos, who had an estimated net worth of $90.6 billion, compared to Gates' measly little net worth of $89.9 billion at the time. As of November 9, 2019, what an interesting date, uh, Gates had an estimated net worth of $107.1 billion, making him the second wealthiest person in the world behind Bezos. So Bezos still makes more than him. Get out. Okay. Uh, wow. Later in his career, and since leaving day-to-day operations at Microsoft in 2008, Gates pursued a number of philanthropic endeavors. He donated large amounts of money to various charitable organizations and scientific research programs through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, reported to be the world's largest privation, works to save lives and improve global health, and is working with Rotary International to eliminate polio. So... Let's learn a little bit about this Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, shall we? Gates studied the work of Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller and donated some of his Microsoft stock in 1994 to create the William H. Gates Foundation. In 2000, Gates and his wife combined three family foundations and Gates donated stock valued at $5 billion to create the charitable Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which was identified by the Funds for NGOs Company in 2013 as the world's wealthiest 
wealthiest charitable foundation with assets reportedly valued at more than $34.6 billion. The foundation allows benefactors to access information that shows how its money is being spent, unlike other major charitable organizations such as the Wellcome Trust. Gates, through his foundation, also donated $20 million to Carnegie Mellon University for a new building to be named Gates Center for Computer Science, which opened in 2009. Gates has credited the generosity and extensive philanthropy of David Rockefeller as a major influence. Gates and his father met with Rockefeller several times, and their charity work is partly modeled on the Rockefeller family's philanthropic focus, whereby they are interested in tackling the global problems that are ignored by governments and other organizations. As of 2007, Bill and Melinda Gates were the second most generous philanthropists in America, having given over $28 billion to charity. The couple plan to eventually donate 95% of their wealth to charity. The foundation is organized into four programs areas, Global Development Division, Global Health Division, United States Division, and Global Policy and Advocacy Division. The foundation supports the use of genetically modified organisms in agriculture development. Specifically, the foundation is supporting the International Rice Research Institute in developing golden rice, a genetically modified rice variant used to combat vitamin A deficiency. The goal of the foundation is to provide 120 million women and girls in the poorest countries with high-quality contraceptive information and services with the longer-term goal of universal access to voluntary family planning. Now, in case no one understands what that means, that means helping them keep their population down, just so you know. In 2007, the Los Angeles Times criticized the foundation for investing in assets and companies that have been accused of worsening poverty, pollution, and pharmaceutical firms that do not sell to developing countries. <gasps> Shocking. Although the foundation announced a review of its investments to assess social responsibility, it was subsequently canceled and upheld its policy of investing for maximum return while using voting rights to influence company practices. I hope you're understanding that because this is some shady stuff. In 2014, protests in Vancouver occurred when Gates decided to donate $50 million to UNAIDS through the foundation for the purpose of mass circumcision in Zambia and Swaziland. But wait, I thought it was nice that he's willing to donate $50 million to something. To do what now? Oh, that's right. For the purpose of mass circumcision... Interesting. Personal donations. Melinda Gates suggested that people should emulate the philanthropic efforts of the Salwin family who sold their home and gave away half of its value as detailed in their book, The Power of Half. Gates and his wife invited Joan Salwin to Seattle to speak about what the family had done. And on December 9th, 2010, Bill and Melinda Gates and investor Warren Buffett each signed a commitment they called the Giving Pledge, which is a commitment by all three to donate at least half of their wealth over the course of time to charity. Gates has also provided personal donations to educational institutions. In 1999, Gates donated $20 million to MIT for the construction of a computer laboratory named <laughs> after him that was designed by architect Frank Gehry. While Microsoft had previously given financial support to the institution, this was the first personal donation received from Gates. The Maxwell Dworkin Laboratory of the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences is named after the mothers of both 
Gates and Microsoft President Stephen A. Baumer, both of whom were students, and donated funds for the laboratory's construction. Gates also donated $6 million to the construction of the Gates Computer Science Building, completed in January 1996 on the campus of Stanford University. The building contains the Computer Science Department and the Computer Systems Laboratory of Stanford's Engineering Department. Since 2005, Gates and his foundation have taken an interest in solving global sanitation problems. For example, they announced the Reinvent the Toilet Challenge, which has received considerable media interest. To raise awareness for the topic of sanitation and possible solutions, <laughs> Gates drank water that was, quote, produced from human feces in 2014. It was, in fact, produced from a sewage sludge treatment process called the Omni Processor. In early 2015, he also appeared with Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show and challenged him to see if he could taste the difference between this reclaimed water or bottled water. <laughs> can you taste the difference between bottled water or poop water? And if you can't, what does that tell you about the bottled water? I'm just saying. In November 2017, Gates said he would give $50 million to the Dementia Discovery Fund, a venture capital that seeks treatment for Alzheimer's disease. He also pledged an additional $50 million to startup ventures working in Alzheimer's research. Bill and Melinda Gates have said that they intend to leave their three children $10 million each as their inheritance. With only $30 million kept in the family, they are expected to give away about 99.96% of their wealth. Alright, well you get the idea guys. And there's quite a bit more information about this guy, so please feel free to go dig some more. So, Bill Gates is in the news right now for trying to solve uh, the problem of uh, coronavirus, of course. But um, as we're about to learn, it uh, goes a little further back than that. So this is actually from 2011. And this is actually one that I found uh, thanks to uh, Zod, I believe, in the Alternate Current Radio's chat room. All right, let's see. So GlaxoSmithKline, in case you guys don't know, that's one of the huge, big uh, medical, pharmaceutical, when they talk about big pharma and all sorts of stuff, this is definitely one of those people. All right, GlaxoSmithKline, Bill Gates-backed vaccine cuts malaria infections by half. And this is back in October of 2011. A vaccine invented at drug giant GlaxoSmithKline and funded in part by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation cut the rate of malaria infection in small children roughly in half, providing real hope of cutting the toll from a mosquito-borne disease that affects 250 million people a year and kills 800,000 children annually in sub-Saharan Africa. The results from a study of 6,000 children between the ages of 5 and 17 months of age were published today in the New England Journal of Medicine to coincide with a forum on fighting malaria now incurring in Seattle, Washington. The vaccine, known as RTSS, still has significant hurdles to jump and will not be made widely available until 2015 at the earliest. That would be four years from when this article was written. Results in babies 6 to 12 weeks of age who are closer to the age where children are usually vaccinated in Africa will arrive in almost exactly a year. Longer safety follow-up will be required by regulators in Europe, Africa, and at the World Health Organization. Who? Yes, who? But the vaccine's success opens up hope that a scourge that has blighted humanity for tens of thousands of years might be conquered when this somewhat effective vaccine is combined with other measures, like pesticides to kill mosquitoes and bed nets to prevent nighttime bites. The feat is even more impressive because when the malaria vaccine work started 25 years ago, most experts believed that creating a vaccine against the parasite that caused the disease would be impossible. Quote, a vaccine is the simplest, most cost-effective way 
way to save lives, said Bill Gates in a prepared statement. These results demonstrate the power of working with partners to create a malaria vaccine that has the potential to protect millions of children from this devastating disease, end quote. Andrew Witte, the chief executive of GlaxoSmithKline, said on a conference call this morning that it is humbling to think about the huge impact the vaccine could have, noting that in many countries in Africa, malaria accounts for 40% of overall healthcare costs. Quote, imagine the potential that could be released. He says, Witty has vowed to make the vaccine available for manufacturing costs, which he says he will work to lower plus a 5% prof- uh, profit margin. With no profit margin at all, he says, the precedent would keep other companies from investing in neglected diseases. In Glaxo's case, the profits will be reinvested in other emerging market diseases. Let me read that again in case you didn't hear that. With no profit margin at all, he says, the precedent would keep other companies from investing in neglected diseases. In Glaxo's case, the profits will be reinvested in other emerging market diseases. Moving on. Children in the study were more likely than kids in the West to have serious ailments, with one in five in both the vaccine and control groups suffering what doctors euphemistically call adverse events. Most risks were balanced between the two groups, but children who received the vaccine were more likely to develop the brain infection meningitis, though this was rare, infecting one child in 500, and to have seizures caused by fever. In an editorial in the New England Journal, Nicholas J. White of Maha... I can't even say that. Bangkok, Thailand wrote that the meningitis cases, quote, may well turn out to be a chance finding, but it cannot be ignored, end quote. The seizures, though, quote, may be real, a result of the vaccine's powerful ability to boost the immune system, end quote. But the odds of success against malaria have just gone up dramatically. GSK, GlaxoSmithKline, has invested $300 million in this product, which will probably never generate profit, and expects to spend $50 million to $100 million more. The Gates Foundation has invested $200 million through the Seattle-based PATH Malaria Vaccine Initiative. Quote, I can't believe my luck, says Joe Cohen, the GlaxoSmithKline scientist who co-invented the RTSS vaccine and has guided its development. Quote, I feel so incredibly fortunate to have been associated with the development of this vaccine since 1987, end quote. And now there is a chance he will see it given to millions of children who need it. And yeah, so there's that. Okay, so that was how he tackled malaria. Let's look at some stuff about polio. (laughs) So fast forward five years. Now this is 2016. Polio eradication is a historic event that is on the verge of being the next major victory in public health. Uh, Anyone else notice the war language in a lot of this stuff? Especially these days in the... Never mind. Uh, Osaka, Japan, May 2016. Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, Takeda, today announced a partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to support global polio eradication in developing countries. With this funding, Takeda will develop, license, and supply at least 50 million doses per year of Sabin strain inactivated polovirus vaccine, SIPV, to more than 70 developing countries. The vaccine will be manufactured at Takeda's facility in Hikari, Japan. This effort is aligned with Takeda's strategy to utilize innovation and partnerships to address critical unmet needs in global public health and the sustainable development goals adopted by the United Nations in September. 
November 2015. Christopher Weber, president and CEO of Decada, said, quote, Decada is honored to partner with the Gates Foundation to support the polio endgame. This represents a major commitment by a Japanese company to the health of children in developing countries around the world, end quote. Under the terms of the agreement, the Gates Foundation will provide a $38 million grant to Takeda to leverage its innovative vaccine manufacturing platform to develop and license a safe and effective SIPV and make at least 50 million doses per year available at an affordable price. See, it's not free. <laughs> Can I make it available at an affordable price for developing countries receiving Gavi support? Gavi, the vaccine alliance, brings together public and private sectors with the shared goal of creating equal access to new and underused vaccines for children living in the world's poorest countries. Takeda's SIPV was originally licensed from the Japan Polio Research Institute, which is now a part of Biken. Chris Elias, president of global development at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, stated, in 2016, the world is closer than ever to eradicating polio. To eradicate polio, we need to ensure every last child is protected from the disease. This partnership will help to ensure that the world has enough vaccine to get the job done and maintain a polio-free world. Takeda's polio program demonstrates our commitment to tackle the most important public health problems and promote access for the populations in greatest need. Joining our programs in dengue, norovirus, and hand, foot, and mouth disease, added Dr. Rajiv Venkaya, president of Takeda's vaccine business unit. We're excited about this partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the potential to reach hundreds of millions of children around the globe as part of the final push to eradicate polio. And then there's some information about polio and some information about this company's commitment to vaccines and some information about this. Uh, just want to point out that it's it's research and development, R&D driven pharmaceutical company committed to bringing better health and a brighter future to patients by translating science into life changing medicines. So kind of like Bill Gates and all of these organizations, they really have like this... Uh, they think very highly of themselves, and um, keep in mind, none of these people were hired by anybody to come in and save anybody's planet or globe or life or anything, but um, hey, I'm so happy to hear about all these awesome people. But it's just a shame they don't really talk about this on the news. How come they don't show this to us on Netflix or in our video games? These people are doing some awesome things. They're life-changing, but you know, you gotta tune in to somebody like me to tell you about it. Okay. Uh, goodbye, Takeda. And uh, I like this one. This is one that I had found uh, some time ago uh, out there in the world. Oh, let's see. So I'm going to drink some water real quick before we move on. Isn't reading the news fun and informative? See? Ruckus has got you guys. He's got you. It's all right. Sometimes it's okay to leave the Matrix and learn about the world around you and listen to some of this propaganda. Read everything. Listen to everybody. But don't trust anything. Don't believe it. So you prove it with your own research. But that means you got to go out and do the research. It means you got to know what's out there. You have to read this stuff. You have to hear what these people are saying. Because uh, while you're sleeping, these people are pulling the strings, literally. When they said money makes the world go round, they weren't kidding. And I also say, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Straight up. Oh, I forget how old this one is. Oh, this is a few years old. So this is from 2017, May, on Politico. Meet the world's most powerful doctor, Bill Gates. The software mogul's sway over the World Health Organization spurs criticism about misplaced priorities and undue influence. Hmm. Anyways. Some billionaires are satisfied with buying themselves an island. 
Bill Gates got a United Nations Health Agency in Geneva. Over the past decade, the world's richest man has become the World Health Organization's second biggest donor, second only to the United States and just above the United Kingdom. This largesse gives him outsized influence over its agenda, one that could grow as the U.S. and the U.K. threaten to cut funding if the agency doesn't make a better investment case. The results, say his critics, is that Gates' priorities have become the who's. Who? Who's? Who's? Rather than focusing on strengthening healthcare in poor countries, that would help, in their view, to contain a future outbreaks like the Ebola epidemic, the agency spends a disproportionate amount of its resources on projects with the measurable outcomes Gates prefers, such as the effort to eradicate polio. Concerns about the software billionaire's sway, roughly a quarter of whose budget goes towards polio eradication, has led to an effort to rein him in, but he remains a force to be reckoned with, as who prepares to elect one of three finalists to lead the organization. All of the candidates are going to have to ally with him in some way, said Sophie Harmon, Associate Professor of International Politics at Queen Mary University of London. You can't ignore him. So these people are in the, the WHO organization is in the middle of trying to have a, a vote. Okay, just so you understand the, uh, where this is coming from, okay? <laughs> so, uh, they're saying like, hey, well, if you really want to succeed and get a, like, they're, they're literally saying this guy holds the, the power in this way. Talk to Bill Gates. Talk to the gatekeeper. Evidence of Gates' unprecedented influence abounds in ways subtle and showy. I like that quote up there. He is treated like a head of state, not only at the WHO, but also at the G20. <laughs> uh, already a decade ago, when Gates started throwing money into malaria eradication, top officials, including the chief of WHO's malaria program, raised concerns that the foundation was distorting research priorities. Quote, the term often used was monopolistic Philanthropy. Say that three times fast. The idea that Gates was taking his approach to computers and applying it to the Gates Foundation, said a, clo a source close to the WHO board. The billionaire was the private individual to keynote WHO's General Assembly of Member Countries, and academics have coined a term for his sway in global health. The bill chill. Few people dare to openly criticize what he does. Most of 16 people interviewed on the topic would only do so on the condition of anonymity. They're scared of him. See? Quote, he is treated like a head of state, not only at the WHO, but also at the G20, a Geneva-based NGO representative said, calling Gates one of the most influential men in global health. The member country delegates political spoke to did not voice particular concern over Gates' influence and were confident he is well-intentioned. <laughs> we know what they say about intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. However, his sway has NGOs and academics worried. Some health advocates fear that because the Gates Foundation's money comes from investments in big business, it could serve as a Trojan horse for corporate interests to undermine whose role in setting standards and shaping health policies. Hmm. Others simply fear the UN body relies too much on Gates' money and that the entrepreneur could one day change his mind and move it elsewhere. Gates and his foundation team have heard the criticism, but they are convinced that the impact of their work and money is positive. Quote, it's always a fair question to ask whether a large philanthropy has a disproportionate influence, 
said Brian Callahan, Deputy Director for Executive Engagement at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. When it comes to the priorities that the foundation has identified and that we choose to invest in, we hope that we are helping to create an enabling environment, he said. Steve Landry, the Gates Foundation's Director of Multilateral Partnerships, said the foundation provides significant funds to program teams that then decide how to use them best. Strings attached. The Gates Foundation has pumped more than $2.4 billion into the WHO since 2000 as countries have grown reluctant to put more of their own money into the agency, especially after the 2008 global financial crisis. Dues paid by member states now account for less than a quarter of WHO's $4.5 billion biannual budget. The rest comes from what governments, Gates, and other foundations and companies volunteer to chip in. Since these funds are usually earmarked marked for specific projects or diseases who can't freely decide how to use them. This is starting to sound like a who's on first routine. This is really crazy. <laughs> anyway, forgive me. Polio eradication is by far WHO's best-funded program, with at least $6 billion allocated to it between 2013 and 2019, in great part because around 60% of the Gates Foundation's contributions were earmarked for the cause. Gates want tangible results, and wiping out a crippling disease like polio would be one. But the focus on polio has effectively left WHO begging for funding for other programs, particularly to prop up poor countries' health systems before the next epidemic hits. The Ebola crisis of 2014, which killed 11,000 people in West Africa, was a particularly bruising experience for WHO. An emergency program drawn up in the wake of the epidemic has so far received just around 60% of the $485 million needed for 2016 to 2017. Outgoing WHO boss Margaret Chan has also had to scale back her attempt to get countries to increase mandatory contributions for the first time in a decade. Chan initially hoped for a 10% hike, but WHO will end up asking for just 3% more this month after some countries objected. That makes the Gate Foundation's input all the more important. Quote, they come with a checkbook and with some smart ideas, said Lori Garrett, a senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations. Most of the Gates Foundation's influence in the WHO is very discreet, she said, adding that it can also decide to take initiatives outside of the organization, as it did with Gavi, which helps the poorest countries buy vaccines in bulk at a discount, or with a recently launched Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, an alliance to develop vaccines for emerging infectious diseases. But the foundation's focus on delivering vaccines and medica- uh, medicines rather than on building resilient health systems has drawn criticism, and some NGOs worry it may be too close to industry. In January, 30 health advocacy groups penned an open letter to WHO Executive Board protesting against making the Gates Foundation an official partner of their agency because its revenue comes from investments in companies that are at odds with public health goals such as Coca-Cola. Hola. <laughs> How's your waking experience going, folks? The Gates Foundation says it operates as a separate entity from the trust, thanks to a strict firewall, and that it remains independent from its investments, which strictly inclu- exclude the tobacco, alcohol, and firearms industries. Worries about the growing role of private money money led member nations to agree, after several years of negotiations on a new policy, 
governing how it engages with entities such as private foundations, companies, and NGOs. It is currently being rolled out across their agency. Despite the criticism, whose board granted the Gates Foundation official relations status? In practice, several sources said it does not change much to the relation relations who already had with the foundation. Uh-oh. <sighs> Gowden's Silberschmidt, who's director for partnerships, said the new status is based on a three-year collaboration plan. Quote, that means we have a solid planning and we and the member states know what we are doing with them. End quote. The UN body also changed four years ago the way its budget is approved to ensure member countries set its priorities. That means Gates can only put money into projects the 194 members support. The foundation cannot pitch a new one out of the blue and ask who to work on it right away just because it is providing the money. These changes have calmed some criticism of its growing influence over the health body, Silberschmidt and two sources close to the WHO board said. The foundation also seems to have got the message. Its representatives meet five to six times a year with other major donors to discuss the WHO's priorities and how it can support them, Landry said. Two representatives of major donor countries confirmed the foundation's envoys had been very cooperative in recent years. Quote, they're much more inclusive. They bring in other states. Stakeholders talk to member states to really try to build consensus, said one delegate. Gates' influence over the WHO was called into question once again during the race to succeed Chan as its director general. The final three candidates include Sanya Nishtar, a cardiologist from Pakistan who has pledged to take the agency, quote, back to its former glory, David Nabarro, a British physician and former UN special envoy for Ebola, and Tedros Adnan. Adnan Ghebreyesus, I can never say this guy's name, uh, who has served as health minister and foreign minister in the Ethiopian, Ethiopian government. Tedros, who like many in Ethiopia goes by his first name, is supported by the African Union. He has promised to reform the organization to better deal with crises like Ebola and to push for universal access to health care all over the world. Last year, a French diplomat suggested that Gates also supports Tedros, having funded health programs in his country when he was health minister. Several foundation officials have denied this, saying that the foundation cannot take a position given that it is not a voting member country and thus has to remain neutral. In other words, they told him to sit down and shut up. <laughs> the new WHO boss will be selected by the member countries who have paid their membership fees on May 23rd at an annual meeting in Geneva. And spoiler alert, Tedros was elected. Still, most country representatives who agreed to speak anonymously on the topic said they were not particularly concerned with the Gates Foundation's influence on WHO. Quote, I don't think they have any bad intentions. They're just such a big player that as immediately as they put money down, they can disrupt things, said one Geneva-based diplomat. Quote, as far as I can tell, people are really happy with anyone who is giving money, end quote, said another. <laughs> money, 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 money. One big unknown is what will happen with the foundation's money once it meets its target of eradicating polio, which started in the late 1980s and now appears to be nearing its goal. Chan has warned that if the polio money dries up in 2019, the global health body will be on the lookout for even more money. <laughs> 
The Gates Foundation's Landry said his colleagues were working with WHO and his polio team on a transition plan to ensure the programs currently funded by the polio effort don't run into trouble once the money stops flowing. WHO is due to uh, to present a report onto its member countries in May. Uh, The foundation's impact on the WHO is enormous, said Garrett of the Council of Foreign Relations. If they weren't there, if they walked away with their money, the deleterious impact would be profound and everyone is all too aware of that. End quote. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. I always like to source my stuff. So there you go, folks. That was Politico, uh, May 2017. All right. Okay. What was the next one I was looking at? What was I looking at? What was I looking at? I think you get the idea here, guys. You're starting to catch on? Are you starting to see the paper trail? Follow the money? Follow the story, see how some of this stuff has been building up, and there's nothing new under the sun. Let's see, so we'll get rid of Politico, and let's go to, let's go to Biz Journals. Okay, fast forward to recent events, okay, that's been happening in the background, so, okay. But this is just a quick example of how some of these, see, this is inside journal kind of information. So people who are into all this stuff, they come and check out these websites, subscribe to their newsletters. And otherwise, you just don't hear about this kind of stuff. So bet you didn't know. This is like an in case you missed it kind of thing. So this is on Biz Journals, Boston's Business Journal, I believe. Gilead, Gates Foundation, join Watertown Biotech's $55 million financing round, January 2019. A Watertown Biotech working to extend daily pills into once-a-week or even monthly treatments closed a $55 million financing round this week, luring one of its initial collaborators to invest in the company. Lindra Therapeutics announced Tuesday that all of its original investors returned for its oversubscribed Series B round, along with new investors, including, yay, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Gilead Sciences. Lindra and its scientific founder, MIT researcher Bob Langer, have been working with the Gates Foundation for several years, most recently on a bi-weekly malaria treatment. The organization also gave Lindra $17 million in grants between 2017 and 2018. Lindra is targeting disease areas where patients can benefit from less frequent dosing, including psychiatric disorders and oral contraceptives, according to Lindra CEO Amy Schulman, who is also a partner at Boston venture capital firm Polaris Partners, which launched Lindra in 2015. The sustained release drugs currently on the market can deliver medication for 12 to 24 hours at most. It's not uncommon for patients to experience problems maintaining their dosing regime which a 2012 Annals of Internal Medicine article reported causes upwards of $219 billion in U.S. healthcare costs annually. Lindra's pills are roughly the size of a fish oil capsule and contain a multi-armed structure that will slowly release the active ingredients over time. The shape and size prevents the pills from being digested quickly, allowing them to remain in the stomach for roughly one week, after which they break into small pieces and pass safely through the gastrointestinal tract. The company is also testing formulations that could last even longer. From the beginning, 
beginning, the patient experience is at the heart of what we're trying to do at Lindra, Schumann said. If you try too hard to change people, you'll knock their head against the wall. We're changing the pill to fit how people behave instead of trying to change people. So there's some interesting bit of news right there. That was just in the beginning of the year of 2019. And this is on Bloomberg, October 2019. Gates-backed VIR biotechnology flops in trading debut. VIR Biotechnology Incorporated fell almost 30% in its trading debut, adding to a series of IPO disappointments in an industry that was seen as at least partly immune to the ills affect... (laughs) Hold on, please, let me just back up. I I want everyone to... Pay attention to the language of some of these things that I'm reading, okay? And as a writer and an advertiser and a marketer, I promise you they could write some of this stuff completely different, and they use some of this language completely on purpose. Trust your boy Ruckus on this, please. If you don't believe me, now that I mentioned that, pay attention to it, and you're like, well, that's weird. Why do they say that like that? All right? Just saying. Back the Ruckus up. Sorry, folks. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) VIR Biotechnology Incorporated fell almost 30% in its trading debut, adding to a series of IPO disappointments in an industry that was seen as at least partly immune to the ills afflicting this year's newly public tech giants. San Francisco-based VIR sold 7.14 million shares Thursday for $20 each the bottom of its marketed range, to raise $143 million. The shares opened Friday at $16.5 and fell from there, closing at $14.02 to give the company a market value of about $1.5 billion. VIR's backers include SoftBank Vision Fund, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Singapore's Temasek Holdings PTE. I forget what the heck that stands for, sorry. Listing stumbles by high-profile companies include WeCo, the parent company of WeWork, (laughs) have cast a pale over IPOs which had thrived this year in the U.S. despite trade tensions with China and stock market volatility. want to point out it's interesting that the name of the parent company of WeWork is WeCo. How many people are working right now in this uh, stuff? Just saying. (laughs) Shares of the 146 companies that have gone public in the U.S. this year are now down 0.2% based on a weighted average, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. The losers include the $8.1 billion listed by Uber Technologies Incorporated, whose shares are down 33% since its May IPO. Of six biotech and biomedical IPOs that were set for the past two weeks, only one has lived up to expectations. Apria Therapeutics Incorporated priced its shares in the middle of its marketed range and has climbed about 27% from the offer price. BioNTech SE, German cancer treatment firm, downsized its offering Wednesday to raise $150 million and is now down 7.2% from its offer price. Last week, Viella Bio Inc. and Frequency Therapeutics Inc. both priced their share sales at the bottom. Well, let's see, Viella is up 1.1%. Frequency Therapeutics has fallen 7.2% since then. ADC Therapeutics SA withdrew its IPO application last week, citing adverse market conditions. 
VIR, founded in 2016, developed treatments for infectious diseases. Its most advanced treatment is for hepatitis B, is in phase two clinical trial, and it has a flu treatment in phase one trial, according to its prospectus. The offering is being led by Goldman Sachs Group, JP Morgan Chase, Cowan Inc., and Barclays PLC. The shares are trading on NASDAQ Global Select Market Friday under the symbol VIR. All right, so there you go. It seems like they were having some trouble there, right? So all of these big companies, big pharma, big technology, big Billy Gates, big banks, all hanging out together and all, yeah, related somehow, some way, shape, or form. Yes? Wouldn't you agree? Didn't you just witness that? Yes? All right. So, another example of what happened to some of these companies. This one's from Yahoo, and this is right around the same time, October 2019. And this one says, Imagine owning Dynavax Technologies and trying to stomach the 73% share price drop. We're definitely into long-term investing, but some companies are simply bad investments over any time frame. We really hate to see some fellow investors lose their hard-earned money, but anyone who held Dynavax Technologies Corporation for five years would be nursing their metaphorical wounds since the share price dropped 73% in that time. And we doubt long-term believers on the only worried holders since the stock price has declined 62% over the last 12 months. Even worse, it's down 8.3% in about a month, which isn't fun at all. Given that Dynavax Technologies didn't make a profit in the last 12 months, we'll focus on revenue growth to form a quick view of its business development. When a company does not make profits, we generally expect to see good revenue growth. That's because it's hard to be confident a company will be sustainable if revenue growth is negligible and it never makes a profit. Over half a decade, Dynavax Technologies reduced its trailing 12-month revenue by 0.5% for each year. That's not what investors generally want to see. If a business loses money, you want it to grow, so no surprises that the share price has dropped 23% each year in that time. It takes a certain kind of mental fortitude or recklessness to buy shares in a company that loses money and doesn't grow revenue. Fear of becoming a bag holder may be keeping people away from this stock. You can see below how earnings and revenue have changed over time. Discover the exact values by clicking on the image so you can go in there and see. Okay. It's probably worth noting we've seen significant insider buying in the last quarter, which we consider a positive. So this technology is sitting there and it doesn't really look appealing to investors, yet for some reason, let me now repeat this last part, it's probably worth noting we've seen significant insider buying in the last quarter, which we consider a positive. That said, we think earnings and revenue growth trends are even more important factors to consider. And then yada yada. Investors in Dynavax Technologies had a tough year, with a total loss of 62% against a market gain of about 8.3%. However, keep in mind that even the best stocks will sometimes underperform the market over a 12-month period. Unfortunately, last year's performance may indicate unresolved challenges, given that it was worse than the annualized loss of 23% over the last half decade. Generally speaking, long-term share price weaknesses can be a bad sign, though contrarian investors might want to research the stock in hope of a turnaround. So there you have it. Another big company was looking promising in all of this stuff, and then around October 2019, it wasn't looking so hot. And remember what I told you about what was going on behind the scenes in October-ish 2019, Event 201? 
<clears throat> Anyways. Boy, it's really hard for you guys to tell when I'm clearing my throat just because I need to or because I'm trying to give you a hint. Sometimes it's both. Alright, there's that one. And then I got just a couple more guys. Bear with me here. And we're going to check out uh, this one. Uh, what, what do we got? International business news. Nobody watches this stuff, right? Unless you're into business and crap, right? Alright, read just this one and one more and then we're going to wrap it up. Come full circle. Promise you this is going somewhere. If you haven't already made quite a few connections yourself. And this is very recent. April 7th, 2020. Coronavirus treatment. Bill Gates-backed potential COVID-19 vaccine set to begin human testing. They're looking for human guinea pigs. Literally. No lie. A second potential vaccine against COVID-19 manufactured by a Pennsylvania biotech company is all set to enter human testing. The company received funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In a press release Monday, Innovio Pharmaceuticals said that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration accepted an application under the regulator's investigational new drug program, paving the way for phase one clinical testing of INO-4800 in healthy volunteers beginning this week. And this was... 10 days ago. The company said preclinical studies were performed on animals which showed promising results. Preclinical data which have been shared with global regulatory authorities and submitted as part of the IND have shown promising immune response results across multiple animal models. No, I don't think they mean like uh, animals walking up and down the uh, the catwalk. I'm too sexy for this vaccine. No, they're talking about like models, mathematical and research and scientific modeling data that they compare things to and then decide, hmm, is this safe? Looks good to me. Only three of them died out of five. That's not so bad. I'm just kidding. Additional preclinical trials, including challenge studies, will continue in parallel with the phase one clinical trial, the release said. The Innovio DNA vaccine candidate. Hold the phone. Okay, we all read that right. Just make it sure. All right, back the ruckus up. The Innovio DNA vaccine candidate contains specifically engineered plasmid, a small independent genetic structure. And when it is injected into a patient, the body cells produce an antibody capable to fight a specific infection. A total of 40 healthy volunteers will be needed for the human trial and the screening for the potential subjects has already begun in two centers, namely Philadelphia's Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and the Center for Pharmaceutical Research in Kansas City. Each of the volunteers will receive two doses of the vaccine four weeks apart calling this a, quote, significant step forward in the fight against the deadly disease. Dr. J. Joseph Kim, in Ninovio's president and CEO, said, without a new safe and effective vaccine, the COVID-19 pandemic is likely to continue to threaten lives and livelihoods. It also demonstrates the power of our DNA medicines platform to rapidly develop and advance a vaccine for COVID-19 into phase one clinical testing. Our dedicated team of staff, partners, and funders have been mobilized since the genetic sequence of the virus became available in early January and continues to work around the clock to ensure that we are rapidly advancing INO-4800 through this phase one study towards planned efficacy trials. 
The first potential COVID-19 vaccine was manufactured by a Massachusetts company, Moderna, which started dosing in mid-March. The first phase of trial planned to enroll 45 healthy volunteers who were offered money up to uh, $1,100. Uh, so that's fun. I hope you had fun with that one. I sure did. <sighs> and I think you get the idea. Uh, there's a ton of companies that are all these rich biotech vaccine companies. Here's an interesting link you should go check out. So go to marketwatch.com and you see some of these names and you're going to recognize a lot of them that we were just talking about, right? Okay. This is MarketWatch. These 21 companies are working on coronavirus treatments or vaccines. The list includes Gilead Sciences and Moderna, along with smaller biotechs. A mix of legacy drug makers and small startups have stepped forward with plans to develop vaccines or treatments that target the infection caused by the novel coronavirus. COVID-19, which was first detected in December in Wuhan, China, has sickened more than 1.5 million worldwide and killed more than 89,000 people. There are no FDA-approved vaccines or therapies for the disease, although the regulator on March 29th granted in emergency use authorization to hydroxychloroquine sulfate and chloroquine phosphate to treat COVID-19 patients. The emergency rules require patients to receive doses of the drugs donated to the U.S. federal stockpile by drug manufacturers or through clinical trials. In the U.S., many of the companies that are initiating development have received funding from two organizations, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, BARDA, which is a division of the Department of Health and Human Services, and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, a division of the National Institutes of Health. <laughs> Some companies have also received funding from Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI, a global organization based in Oslo that has provided millions of dollars in funding to vaccine makers. Other companies are funding trials by themselves or through partnerships with other life sciences companies. Here are some of the companies. And there's one. Armgen Incorporated and Adaptive Biotechnologies Corporation. And they are, uh, so yeah, you can go see what each of them are doing. This is very interesting. Uh, here's another one. Uh, I think we mentioned them earlier. BioNTech SE and Pfizer. Big boy there. So there you go. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. So make sure you come check this stuff out, guys, and do your research about all of these companies. And then I double, triple dare you to look them all up and then find out who owns them. And then I double, triple dog dare you on top of all of that to see if any of them belong to any uh, secret clubs or if they're Freemasons. Yeah. That's the real nitty gritty, as Bill Cooper would say. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so this is Market Watch. So, so remember, guys, some of these companies were having trouble. Just last year, people were talking about some of these companies, and then wham, bam, blinky, bam. Let's see how they're doing. Let's see how they're doing. So, this one, uh, at that time, that one was down, that one has dropped, okay? And then I want, you know, this is a little outdated, so, you know, we want to pay attention to this stuff. So, some of these have been going up. That one was soaring. Pfizer's kind of down. So Pfizer wants a piece of the action, right? Mm-hmm. See? Uh, what is this one? This one is 
Calimedica Incorporated, privately held. Interesting. Henry Ford Hospital trials for this one. Interesting. Uh, Cytodyne Incorporated. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Pre their biotech in Vancouver. Uh, experimental drug. Okay. Okay. Dynavax. There you go. Remember them? So, uh, hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Of course, their stock is down, but look, they stepped up to the plate, folks. They stepped up to fight. So, you know, and to do any of this stuff costs money. So if they're not making money on their stocks. They're only, all these people are only basically getting funded by all of these little secret groups and secret people and secret billionaires. Gilead Sciences. There you go. We were just talking about them. Mm-hmm. What is this? Uh, yeah. Smith Klein. We were just talking about them. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, Heat Biologics Incorporated. Boy, that sounds like some awesome, like, techno band. Vaccine they're working on. Uh, Innovio Pharmaceuticals. We were just talking about them. And again, the Innovio Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, Johnson & Johnson. Yep. Uh, wow. And Moderna. They were just mentioning that at the top of this article. Novavax. There's another one. Sheesh. And Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, okay. And uh, was that all of them? I think there might be one, a couple more. Roche Holding AG, Actemra. Hmm. So they're a Swiss drug maker. Uh, Sanofi US SNY and Translate Bio Inc. Uh huh. Working with Barda. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Takeda. Remember them? We were just talking about them. Look what they're messing with. Hyperimmune globulins. There you go. Some cool stuff. Vax Art Incorporated. VIR Biotechnology Inc. Yeah. Just talking about them. All right. So I think you guys are kind of getting the picture. So a big shout out to Zod, who hangs out with us on the ACR Boiler Rooms Discord and on AlternateCurrentRadio.com's chat rooms for putting together some of those threads about those big companies and helping me complete what I had started earlier about this this guy, Bill Gates, and these big companies and the who and all of that. So I'm going to bring this full circle, guys. We're going to go back to... Uh, I want to take you back to RFK Jr., okay? So RFK Jr. posted some stuff on here. It dovetails very nicely and, and complements what we were just looking at. Uh, so he was posting this, which was a repeat or something that was in The Nation, which is a media publication. Uh, so The Nation uncovered hundreds of millions of dollars the Gates Foundation donated to companies in which the Gates Foundation held stocks or bonds. The Foundation's clearest conflicts of interest may be the grants it gives to for-profit companies in which it holds investments. Large corporations like Merck and Unilever, a Foundation spokesman said it tries to avoid this kind of financial conflict, but that doing so is difficult because its investment and charitable arms are all firewalled from one another to keep their activities strictly separate. Bill and Melinda Gates are trustees of both entities, however, making it difficult to draw a sharp line between the two. So here's the, the amount of money that he invested in each of those companies. Uh, Merck, LG, Sanofi, which we were just looking at there. Eli Lilly, Ericsson, Takeda, Unilever, Pfizer, Novartis, Teva, Philips, Lixel, Medronic. And this is 
they found close to $2 billion in tax-deductible charitable donations from the Gates Foundation to for-profit businesses, including companies in which the foundation held investments, such as GlaxoSmithKline. The top 10 corporate recipients took home more than half a billion dollars. There they are, guys. Novavax, GlaxoSmithKline Biologicals, Evotech and Just Biotherapeutics, Biological E Limited, LG Chem Limited, Dimagi Limited, Incorp, sorry, Inventprize, Bharat Biotech International Limited, Janssen Vaccines and Preventative BV, AJ Vaccines, AS. You follow, people. You follow. Let's finish reading what he posted, because I know not everyone has Instagram. And so he posted something from the National File. The company Moderna is working on a coronavirus vaccine, which they expect will go into clinical trials in April. Dr. Fauci has helped, I'm sorry, Dr. Fauci has heaped praise on Moderna and said that a vaccine is the only way to definitively assure the end of the virus. Gates is working on multiple coronavirus vaccine projects. Add to this the fact that the Gates Foundation and related entities such as CEPI constitute the largest funders of the public-private entity known as WHO, and that its current director, Tedros Adhanom, the first WHO director in history not a medical doctor, worked for years on HIV with the Gates Foundation when Tedros was a government minister in Ethiopia. And we see that there is practically no area of the current coronavirus pandemic where the footprints of the omnipresent Gates are not to be found. If that is to the good of mankind or grounds to be worried, time will tell. Hmm. But doesn't look good to me. Let's look at his track record, shall we? So conveniently compiled, thanks to RFK Jr. All true stuff, folks. Bet you didn't know more than, well, any of this stuff. Except, of course, you know, the ones who are awake to most of this stuff. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the sheeple. And as Bill Cooper said, if you think I'm talking to you when I call you a sheeple, you're probably right. Uh, Otherwise, you know you're not a sheeple and I'm not talking to you. During Gates' 2002 Men Afrovac campaign in sub-Saharan Africa, Gates' operatives forcibly vaccinated thousands of African children against meningitis. Between 50 and 500 children developed paralysis. South African newspapers complained Quote, we are guinea pigs for the drug makers, end quote. Nelson Mandela's former senior economist, Professor Patrick Bond, described Gates' philanthropic practices as ruthless and immoral. In 2010, Gates committed $10 billion to the WHO, promising to reduce population, in part through new vaccines. A month later, Gates told a TED Talk that new vaccines, quote, could reduce population, end quote. In 2014, Kenya's Catholic Doctors Association accused the WHO of chemically sterilizing millions of unwilling Kenyan women with a phony tetanus vaccine campaign. Independent labs found the sterility formula in every vaccine tested. After denying the charges, WHO finally admitted it had been developing the sterility vaccines for over a decade. Similar Accusations come from Tanzania, Nicaragua, Mexico, and the Philippines. 
A 2017 study, Morganson et al., 2017, showed that WHO's popular DTP vaccine is killing more African children than the disease it pretends to prevent. Vaccinated girls suffered 10 times the death rate of unvaccinated children. Gates and WHO have refused to recall the lethal vaccine, which WHO forces upon millions of African children annually. Public health advocates around the world accuse Gates of hijacking WHO's agenda away from the projects that are actually proven to curb infectious diseases, such as clean water, hygiene, nutrition, and economic development. They say he has diverted agency resources to serve his personal fetish, that good health only comes in a syringe. In addition to using his philanthropy to control Hugh, I mean who, <laughs> UNICEF, Gavi, and PATH, Gates funds private pharmaceutical companies that manufacture vaccines and a massive network of pharmaceutical industry front groups that broadcast deceptive propaganda, develop fraudulent studies, conduct surveillance and psychological operations against vaccine hesitancy and use Gates' power and money to silence dissent and coerce compliance. In his recent non-stop Farmedia appearances, Gates appears gleeful that the COVID-19 crisis will give him the opportunity to force his third world vaccine programs on children here in America. Oh, God bless you, RFK Jr. Very well put, all of this stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's read what he typed into it. Vaccines for Bill Gates are a strategic philanthropy that feed his many vaccine-related businesses, including Microsoft's ambition to control a global vaccine ID enterprise and give him dictatorial control over global health policy, the spear tip of corporate neo-imperialism. Gates' obsession with vaccines seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he is ordained to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment with the lives of lesser humans. Promising to eradicate polio with $1.2 billion, Gates took control of India's National Advisory Board and mandated 50 polio vaccines to every child before the age of five. Indian doctors blamed the Gates campaign for a devastating vaccine-strain polio epidemic that paralyzed 496,000 children between 2000 and 2017. In 2017, the Indian government dialed back Gates's vaccine regimen and evicted Gates and his cronies from the NAB. Polio paralysis rates dropped precipitously. In 2017, the World Health Organization reluctantly admitted that the global polio explosion is predominantly vaccine strain, meaning it is coming exclusively from Bill Gates' vaccine program. The most frightening epidemics in Congo, the Philippines, and Afghanistan are all linked to Gates' vaccines. By 2018, three-fourths of all Global polio cases were from Gates' vaccines. In 2014, the Gates Foundation funded tests of experimental HPV vaccines developed by GlaxoSmithKline, again, all these big companies, GSK and Merck, on 20,000 young girls in remote Indian provinces. Approximately 1,200 suffered severe side effects, including autoimmune and fertility disorders. Seven died. Indian government investigations charged that Gates-funded researchers committed pervasive ethical violations, pressuring vulnerable village girls into the trial, bullying parents, forging consent forms, and refusing medical care to the injured girls. The case is now 
in the country's Supreme Court. And then I believe we read the rest on the slide there, okay? So there you have it, folks. This guy, he's got his hands and his pocket in this other guy's pockets. And they're all related and they're all running this giant crap show where they made you afraid of an invisible enemy. And what really sucks is whether or not that enemy is real. Their solution, what these people are pushing, as you can tell, comes with a very, very heavy, heavy risk. So ask yourselves, if you're so happy and, and gleeful that the U.S. government and Bill Gates are telling you to stay home and they're going to get you a vaccine and all that fun stuff, right? Just remember, he's not a doctor. Okay, guys? You know what I mean? But if you, you're happy to swallow the pill that the mainstream narrative is feeding you and you're afraid of being hurt by this disease, right? Or if you hear about some scary shooting that takes place somewhere out in public and then you, you want to get rid of guns and it's because you're afraid of being hurt, right? Nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to get hurt. So please consider all those things we were just looking at and you decide for yourself which is deadlier or which is scarier. What's going to hurt you? What's going to make you sick? Is it the invisible enemy that those people that we were just reading about are you going to believe them or are you going to believe your own research? I hope that you go do your own research and I hope and I pray that we all, yourself included, everybody out there, that you have the option to make the choice because one of the running themes in all of that stuff we were reading was, uh, I don't know, people being forced to do stuff and then something bad happened to them. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been a very special Daily Ruckus. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.